Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. And Johnny, we are talking Manhattan today, and we got my good friend, Gary Mallon, Chief Operating Officer over at Corcoran, in the business for a long, long time, knows the rental market inside and out, sits at the top, sees all of the data. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, listen, thank you. It's always my pleasure to get a chance to talk with you guys. You guys also have tremendous data, so it's always a lively chat. I love it. And you just and you just tell it like it is. So so Gary, let me just start high level. Um, please, what is the current state of the uh, New York City rental market um, for when you sit? I mean, look, from a price perspective, uh, all we do is keep on seeing prices rise month over month. I mean, in April, it was a little over 4,000. In May, it was about 4,200. And now we're getting inching towards 4,300. So on a monthly basis, we're seeing rents continually rise. And obviously, consumers are feeling that pain. Um, I speak to so many friends, family, just in general, people out there in the marketplace, and just they're surprised at, at how expensive this market has become. Now, many of them are sort of thinking that things are still COVID related, so therefore they think they should be getting some sort of discount, but the market is really done in about face. So from a consumer's perspective, it's frustrating, but underlying all of that, which what I've been saying and seeing is that because prices have gotten so high, People aren't talking about the fact that the vacancy rate is actually rising. Um, we're not talking about a very significant number, but you know, we went from about 1.83 in April to about 1.79 in May. So it dipped a little bit, but now in June, we're just above 2%. So for New York City, Manhattan in particular, 2% and above is historically for us a more liberal marketplace, but I don't think people are feeling it yet. No, certainly not. And, and this is why I like talking to you, Gary, because, you know, back in the day, you know, um, City Habit had said black and white report. I mean, this is this is some of the best rental data you can get in the market today. And it's and it's phenomenal. And I guess, you know, so the overall question I would have is, I mean, everyone knows rents are up and, you know, not everyone knows that vacancy is down. But I'm curious, just, you know, in your point of view, what of what we're, is how much of what we're seeing in the rental market right now? is sort of a search for equilibrium after that, the COVID whipsaw, and how much of it is the rental market resetting at sort of new higher price levels? I think they sort of go hand in hand. I think, you know, um, if you look at where Velocity was a little over a year ago when the market really picked up steam, at one point during the downturn, the vacancy rate in the city was close to 25%. So, you know, you had owners who were sitting on hundreds, if not thousands of empty apartments. So when that circumstance happens, there's obviously a massive adjustment from an owner's perspective in terms of what he or she can get in face rents, how much free rent, what concessions, so on and so forth. So what happened is like someone that was, most people were never signing a 12 month lease, right? They were getting a 12 month base lease with one, two, three, even four months free rent. So all of a sudden, owners for so many years wanted to stack the market in their favor, meaning I want my leases to expire May through August because that's the busiest time of the year. They didn't have the luxury a year ago to sort of demand when a lease was going to expire. So all of a sudden, now you're seeing leases that are going a little bit longer, inventory taking a little bit longer to come back to market. So it's definitely disrupted the marketplace. So I think people that were coming in in May and June we're starting to really realize like there isn't as much inventory as I would like to see, especially at certain price points. But over the next few months, my belief is that we'll all sort of 
wash itself out and then the market will find its normal reset and will find its footing again because somebody you know looks at what they were paying to what they're being asked to pay but it's like okay you got what you got in the most intense sales circumstances that new york city has probably ever seen so you can't say wow my rent went up by 45 percent like okay well what was the rent before COVID, right. like where was that right. number versus today's number? And that's a more rational approach. Now, granted, if I'm a tenant and I moved into one of these buildings, that doesn't make any sense and I don't care to hear that. But the reality is it's like you got a sale and you benefited from the sale and now the market's reset itself. I just think most people didn't think it would happen as quickly. Yeah, and Gary, um, I wanna go back to what you said earlier, the vacancy rate's ticking higher and most people are not talking about that. Um, it, is it possible that that higher asking rents are the cure for higher asking rents? And maybe is there any other measure of exhaustion that maybe there's some level of exhaustion hitting the rental market or it's just too early to tell? No, there definitely is. There's there's financial fatigue, right? Like if you think about what happened during the downturn, you know, people that would go into what I would call secondary markets, let's call it Long Island City or Jersey City, one of those markets, incredible markets. So don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking. I think they're phenomenal places to live. But typically people, you know, unless there was specific reasons why they wanted to live in one of those markets, whether it's work or just they wanted to be out of like midtown Manhattan, or whatever it is, they went to those areas because those areas were value, comparatively speaking, to a comparable Manhattan property. So then when the, you know, when the market really, really shifted, all these people flooded back to New York, meaning Manhattan in particular, because they were getting really great deals. So why not experience the Manhattan lifestyle if you could live for a far less price than you could have before? But now all of a sudden those markets are cured and these people are like, I can't afford to stay here. I can't afford to pay this rent. So now they have to figure out where to go. And that's the reason why the vacancy rate is getting higher. You can't blame an owner for trying to get as much rent as he or she can get in this marketplace, right? Because there still is a lot of demand and there's not a tremendous amount of inventory. So I just think it's sort of, you, you have pushing and pulling on two different sides, right? Tenants want what they want, owners want what they want. And I just think what you're seeing is the pricing is just getting out of reach and at a certain point, people say to themselves, just like they did years before, whether I moved to Long Island City, Jersey City, the suburbs, I don't know. They just can't take it right now. And that's why you're seeing the vacancy rate start to rise. And historically, a time you wouldn't expect the vacancy rate to rise, right? You wouldn't normally see from May to June the vacancy rate to go higher. That is typically when it starts to compress for, for an extended period of time. Yeah, and the, well, one of the things that we're tracking is, you know, we we have access, I guess, to the RLS data, so we don't we don't see the the, the swath that you do. But I'm just curious, in your conversations with on, on the sort of sell side, the landlord side of this, how much of this vacancy rate is sort of a conscious decision to sort of you know keep units off the market? And I'm not talking about warehousing or anything like that, but just the idea that landlords might want to spread out the expiration of their rents, as you say, not necessarily stack them during the summer, but perhaps have some expiring in you know October through February or something like that. I don't think any owner that I'm working with that I speak to would not be willing to rent his or her vacant units now that are free market. What you don't want is you really don't want leases coming due like October, November, December, if you could avoid it. So right now is the perfect time for them. They don't need to offer free rent anymore. Very few, if any, have to offer any sort of concession to a broker to bring people there. So, you know, this is the prime time for an owner. So for them, if it's available, they want it rented because they want it to cycle up 12 months from now.
Yeah. Um, Gary, um, let's go into the dark corner of data here, availability. Um, <laughs> I know you see things a lot of us don't see. Tell me about concessions. Tell me about OPs. Are these things even happening? I mean, OPs are so far and few between. There's very limited OPs that are being offered. You know, you're offering it if maybe you're a brand new building with a tremendous amount of inventory to move. And that's a normal marketing strategy that any owner would deploy in any market. Or if you have very, very significant aspirational price, right? If you really want to achieve a price that's higher than the market, which is hard to believe given how high the market is right now, you might want to entice a broker, you might want to entice a tenant with free rent, simply for them to look at it and say, you know what, I don't have to pay a broker fee, so I'm saving money, uh, I'm getting some sort of net rent here, so it could justify paying a little bit more to live in this building or live in this location. But right now, given where inventory levels are, and given where you know tenant demand is, especially because it's the summer season, they don't really need to offer it unless they have some other agenda. Not a bad one, of course, just a different play than the typical marketplace that's going on. Yeah, and, and let me ask Gary, because you know, from I think one of the one of the huge advantages of your seat at Corcoran is you see not only what's happening on the rental side, you see what's happening on the sales side. I mean, you get it's full spectrum. And, and I'm curious, you know, with rents where they are, I mean, given that vacancy rates are increasing, but rents are 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 at these great levels. What's it, what's it look like with cap rates these days? And what are investors thinking about uh, making plays in multifamily? You know, look, you've, you've read recently that there's been some trades. Obviously, the whole solo portfolio um, is trading hands. Um, American Copper trading hands. Some smaller stuff I read yesterday that Slate is buying some buildings. So I think the long-term players in this marketplace sort of look at the market with a different lens. They look at where those buildings are situated. They look at if those buildings have any ability to increase rents because maybe the building hasn't been brought up to standards that it could be, and they have capital to invest. And if they're looking on a longer term horizon, those people are certainly going to invest because I think long-term people believe in New York City. Hold on one sec. My dog is really crazy. I, I apologize profusely. No, right. My it. dog's asleep. So that's, I got, I'm lucky. <laughs> my dog's on the deck and I'm hoping my wife controls my dog. All right. So listen, Gary, we're almost done. I have one more. No, take, wait, listen, you. take your time. I appreciate it. Don't worry. Yeah, we're going off script. All of our questions got answered so thoroughly and quickly that we're going off script now. Um, you know, it, it, I, when you see the sales market softening, because yep. of this this interest rate reset, right? Um, oh, cash buyers right now. And you see the rental market going up. Have you seen this before? Like you've been in the business a long time. Usually these two are dragged together. Well, to some degree, you know, I think because the inventory levels in the sales market might not meet each and every person's parameters or at the first time home buyer in particular with interest rates, you know, rising the way they've risen, although still historically low, people don't believe that because not that long ago, it was substantially lower than it is right now. Um, and fear of where the economy is going, recession, inflation, you name it. You know, to a lot of people, it makes sense to be in the rental market a little bit longer than maybe they wanted to be because they can get in, they can get out, they can see what happens with all these things that are sort of outside of their levels of control. So I think it's really just a matter of rental is probably a safer play for certain people, right? Most people you would say, you wanna live in that apartment that you're gonna potentially purchase for at least five years, right? Mm -hmm. To make it make sense for you, you know, economically in and out. Um, and I just think people are a little bit concerned about where that market's headed. And I think they also believe maybe in six or 12 months, the sales prices might be more favorable to them then than they are now. So I don't mind staying a little bit longer in the rental market. So I think there's a lot of things at play that are sort of 
pushing people in one direction or the other. But I want to make it clear, there is still plenty of sales business going on in the city. I think the the thing that I find that people need to sort of reset their own expectations is that you can't compare this year to last year. Like you're talking about a once in a lifetime, once in a generational situation and circumstance due to COVID, right? That changed the dynamics of the marketplace so exponentially that to compare anything to that is almost unfair. Yeah, 2021, transactional volume of 2021 was basically a year and a half compacted into one year. And, right. and, and not only that, but we have inventories falling. I, I mean, I just think the rental market's going to put a floor to whatever the sales market is shifting down to. Um, and I don't see a crash happening in the sales market. And you're right. When I look at deal volume, it's, it's kind of where the average is now. Well, I just think everyone's a victim of the moment, right? Everyone wants to look at the circumstances that exist today, compare them to what the most recent 12 months were without providing any context around it. And I think, look, New York City has always proven itself to be resilient, right? No matter what shock to our system has occurred, we've all been in this business for a long enough period of time. We've seen some pretty sad things that have gone on in our city. But no matter what, once that sort of abates the resiliency, the excitement, all the stuff around New York City is really what it is. And what's interesting, if you really think about the sales market and the rental market, the office occupancy rate is only like, I think I read just recently, like 40%, right? With all these hybrid workers and everything that's going on, you would say to yourself, hmm, if people are being able to work hybrid, then why is the rental market so strong? Why is the sales market so strong? Because the office market isn't technically as strong as either one of those. Well, the answer is people want to live here. I mean, you guys go out and you walk around the city, you go to restaurants, you see the intensity and the demand and sort of the sort of happiness that people have. I just moved my daughter into the city last week. So people want to be here in the city. I just think we all have to sort of wait and see what the world sort of settles down to at some point next year. Will it be what it was three or four years ago? I doubt it. Will it be what it was over the last 12 or 15 or 18 months? I doubt it. It'll probably come a little closer. What that exactly looks like, I'm not sure, but I, I certainly believe hybrid work is here to stay. I think too many people find it effective and efficient and it's driving employee satisfaction. And I know we're running out of time, Gary, but I just want to ask because a couple of years ago, well, a few, three years ago now, back in 2019, right after the Housing Stability <gasps> Tenant Preservation Act came out, we did a podcast with you in which you kind of, you know, you had some appreciant calls. And I'm curious what that situation looks like now. I mean, it's a complete shift. We're talking about regulations now on the landlord side. What is that looking like these days? I mean, that's still become a problem in the marketplace on a variety of different fronts. Like if you're a tenant and let's say you're a student that, you know, an international student that doesn't have any credit, you know, you used to be able to pay a year's rent up front. You used to be able to do things or an individual that went through a personal circumstance whose credit is not so great, not because they did anything wrong. Maybe they had a serious medical issue, a divorce, something that sort of put a shock to their personal system. There were ways around that previously that don't exist now. And I think those things have still put a, a sort of a damper on the marketplace because now what's your choice is your choice is to use one of those myriad of products to buy insurance now all of a sudden you have a cost and expense that you didn't have before so i think that's definitely a problematic situation and then from an owner's perspective just the ability to maintain their buildings and do the work that is necessary you know cost of running buildings continue to rise whether it's you know, fuel, insurance, staffing, you name it, those costs continue to rise, yet the investments that they need to make in their building 
to keep their buildings to a standard that everyone would like them to be, and then to be able to make money, the current circumstances don't dictate that. If you can only put in $15,000 into renovating an apartment to get $89 or $90 a month, whatever it is, for the next 15 years, most apartments that need work, $15,000 is simply nowhere near enough to bring it to the standards from you know, pure construction, electrical, you name it, appliances, it's expensive. So I think it's like you're putting owners in a very precarious situation to not be able to sort of, you know, handle their buildings. And the problem is everyone thinks like it's the big landlord, right? The thousand plus unit owner that can handle this and weather this storm. But, you know, they seem to forget the small owner who bought a five or a 10 unit building as a personal investment where he or she lives and that was how they were going to have fund their retirement and do all this. And now all of a sudden, they can't do what they need to do. So it's definitely created an issue in the marketplace. And when you talk about affordability, and you talk about availability, and you talk about all the ideas of affordable housing, it's a problematic situation that I don't necessarily know when there's going to be a solution to, because it doesn't seem like yeah. people want to sort of go to the middle and find something that's fair for everybody. It's everyone's so polarized, like it's either this or it's that. And I don't think in yeah. any circumstance, in any way of life, being that polarized helps anybody get to a positive result. Yeah, I mean, and 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 it's an important topic, and it's it's I don't think it's changing anytime soon. Like you said, I don't I don't see I think this is something that if, if there's something that's going to change and be priced in, that's 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 down the road, and that has not happened yet. Yeah, um, listen, and the other aspects of this that are troubling is like just building affordable housing. Like I read an article somewhere recently, and I think it was up in Harlem, but maybe I'm wrong. A developer wanted to build, I think around an 800 unit building. And he was willing to do, if I'm not mistaken, 50% affordable housing. But the local council member said, unless it's 100% affordable housing, uh, it won't get approved. So the owner's like, well, then I can't build. So I think that's irrational because the city needs affordable housing, but developers are taking risks and costs are very high. It has to be fair on both sides of the equation or you get yeah. stuck with what you get stuck with now. So I hope rationality comes back to this marketplace you know, at some point. Yeah, economic feasibility is, is, is a very real thing here. And so now yeah. you're talking about that rationality here. Yep. Um, Gary Mallon, you are a ocean of knowledge and and i am just um honored and happy you. that you that you take time to join us john and i to share your insights with all of our listeners so um gary mallon chief operating officer of corcoran thank you so much for your time that is john walkup i am noah rosenblatt we're both from urban digs this has been talking manhattan and we'll catch you next time thanks guys enjoy